All right, well, welcome to our second podcast, and this one is all about breast implants. So I wanted to do, start out with something that was pretty popular and a lot of people either know about it and want to learn more about uh, breast implants and how they work and what types there are and all those type of things. So are you a, uh, are you a silicone guy or a saline guy? I'm a silicone guy. I think majority of people are. Um, probably like 99, I don't know, maybe 90% of us are. Yeah, so a, a long time ago, we um, actually in 2006 was when we could start using silicone again. They took it off the market from 92 all the way to 2006, and we were using saline, which is salt water, feels like right. a, a balloon. Um, and then we slowly just converted over to these silicone. Yeah, so as you know, Chris was saying, you know, the, you know, silicone implants were taken off the market for several years, maybe about 10 years, and they were brought back in 2006. Um, but, you know, over the last 15 years now that they've been back on the market, the implant profiles of silicone implants are very safe, um, and they're made much better today than they were 30, 40 years ago. Um, I know we see some women that have had implants in for 30, 40 years, and we're taking them out. Um, but, you know, implants today that are made... They can probably last a little longer, um, but we just still don't recommend, you know, 30 years. You know, many of these implants will recommend about 10 to 20 years of before you need them have them exchanged. Um, but back, you know, when they were, when they took silicone implants off the market, there were different styles of implants. Uh, some were a smooth, round implant like the one Chris is holding, and then here there's a, a textured shape implant. And, you know, the reason why, you know, they were trying to find a way to you know, how can you get um, like a teardrop shape of your breast? And so they came up with an implant like this that was shaped, but how do you hold that form? And so we had to come up with like the gummy bear and these shaped implants were probably like the first known um, gummy bears. Um, and that was just so you can hold its form when you're standing up or laying down versus like a saline or a silicone implant. And that's a round one, but when you stand up, it teardrops. If you lay it down, it becomes like a circle again. I think these are probably some of the best implants out there. I mean, it just even though it has this kind of very slow, gentle um, transition from the top to the bottom, there's still pressure in the body that actually creates a little, that fullness up top. And enough that to me, I mean, from the profile, it still looks really good. You still get that fullness yeah. up top. Um, so, I mean, and, and the way they're textured, they just don't rotate like these uh, smooth ones do. Well, that's, that's why they make them textured because you want this texture to grip to the scar tissue that your body will form around the implant so it can't flip because you don't want an implant being upside down like this um, on, a, on a shaped implant versus like a round implant you know this is smooth so it's not going to grab that scar tissue it's not going to you know um, hold in place so but it doesn't matter if it flips it's always going to be round you know so yeah and these saline ones uh, majority of these are round but they the, the biggest issue with these is they just don't feel real like they just don't blend in with your own tissues um, and so that's why majority of what we use is, is silicone these days, Nine, 99% probably. So let's talk a little bit about safety because that is a big issue. Like people are like, whoa, 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 silicone, we could not use that back then. Why did they take it off the market? I mean, are people having problems? I mean, what is this silicone implant illness type thing? And so the good thing is the majority of studies have not proven that out where it, it really is causing any problems. Now we still are very wary and make sure there's no other issues going on and if there's a rupture of the implant we want to get it out. But these implants don't rupture very often. They, If they do, this gummy bear prevents it from kind of spilling out and going places. Yep. I mean it's kind of staying contained within this breast area. 
And so, you know, to me, if it's my family member, this is what I would recommend yeah. and use. Same. I mean, I recommend to all my patients uh, silicon implants unless they have a hesit they have a reason why they don't want them. Um, also, like cost, um, silicon implants are a little bit more expensive than saline, so um, that may be an option why somebody wants a saline implant. Yeah. Well, they also, and then and also they said don't give these silicon implants to anybody over the age of twenty or under twenty-two, Correct. which. It's kind of an arbitrary number. Um, they the the studies they base it on are very loose and not great. Um, so in general, though, we are pushing people that are from 18 to 22 into saline and then above to the silicone. Although there are some exceptions. Interesting. Yeah, you know, the exception is if you're 18 years old and you have a congenital defect of your of your breast where you need an implant to match the other side, you can use a silicone implant even though you're only 18. But you can't use a silicone implant if you're under 22 for cosmetic reasons, and that's just an FDA yeah. um, issue, really. Yeah, and I think basically the, the companies don't give you a warranty or the patient a warranty yeah. if it's, if you're between 18 to 22 to get the silicon implants. However, it doesn't mean you can't get it. We still you know, are providing it to patients if they, if they want it and understand all the risks, of course. I mean, I guess the next thing is like, how, how does a woman decide what type of implant she wants um, or what size and what's going to fit her frame. Um, and we have, you know, there are different ways that you can go about that. And, you know, first, usually we ask patients, you know, what desired cup size do you want to be and what is your current cup size? Um, um, and then we'll do some measurements of the breast. And usually when we try to pick an implant, we're trying to match the dimensions of that implant to that breast. Um, so. That, that's one thing we would do. Um, and then we can do things like uh, you can try on implants with your bra and see how that fits under a shirt. Um, that's, that was some of the traditional ways of doing it in the past. But fortunately, nowadays, we have 3D imaging called like Vectra. Um, I think there's some other modalities out there called like Crystalex. But you know, that's where we can take pictures of the patient mm -hmm. and it will do all the measurements. Um, and then we can, based on the measurements, we can put an implant in there and she can see in a 3D simulation what she would potentially look like. Yeah, I mean, this Vector so, machine is amazing. I think it's yeah. better than the other products out there because you can look at it on a big monitor mm -hmm. and it's very accurate in kind of creating what someone's gonna look like. In fact, there's a study that when it first came out that showed that it's almost 90% accurate right. in getting what kind of the final result's gonna be from a, a volume standpoint. And I mean, let's face it, I mean, some people are wider, some people are more narrow. It's something where these implants, they purposely made implants that are a little wider, more narrow. And that's why we do measurements of your chest to know what size fits. We do have people come in asking specifically, I want a high profile implant. And sometimes there is some leeway where you can say, yeah, you know, if you have a choice or lean toward one or the other, but high profile, and this is something that people think is, does not mean it's higher up on the chest. High profile means it's higher out from the chest. And so that is really super important to know. And it's more of just, we're trying to fit the implant that fits your frame the best. So if you, you want a C cup um, and you're wider, then we would use probably a wider, you know, a moderate profile implant. If you're, have a, if you're really petite and narrow and still want a C cup, then we want to get something that's going to be more of that high profile right. just to fit your frame. And, uh, and that's kind of how it works. So you know, I have patients come in all the time and ask me, do they, you know, can you, are you going to put that implant below the muscle or above the muscle? I mean, can you kind of explain kind of why that, that is or why, how we decide yeah. to do that? Yeah, um, I do get patients that ask me that all the time. And um, there are actually a lot of patients that don't even know if they have implants under the muscle or over the muscle. But um, traditionally nowadays, most of us are putting implants under the muscle. And there's some reasons for that. Um, one reason being, 
that uh, when we put implants under the muscle, we tend to have a lower rate of capsular contracture. Um, if you've heard of that, capsular contracture is when the, the capsule, which is scar tissue that forms around the implant, it can become thick and hard and can cause some firmness of the breast. So one way to help minimize that is to go under the muscle and that just that separates the gland uh, uh, of your breast uh, from the implant. Um, but we, uh, you know, there are times where we will put implants over the muscle in certain patients. And um, I mean, do you have any patients that have done that recently? Only? Yeah, not recently, but it is something where I keep that as an option when someone has some sagging and they do not want any scars on their breast. And so when someone that doesn't have a lot of sagging, you can put that implant above the muscle and it'll sit just a little bit lower and kind of fill that out. But, you know, like you said, we don't want contracture. We want to do what's best for the patient. How can we minimize complications? And that's where implant underneath the muscle, underneath the muscle, underneath the muscle. I mean, that's just exactly kind of what we, yeah. you know, should do. The other benefit with implants under the muscle are is you get that layer, that muscle layer that gives us an an added layer to, to camouflage or hide that implant so you see less of the rippling um, through your skin. You know, if you're somebody that's very thin, you, um, you know, and you have thin skin on your breast, you know, you're more likely to see some irregularities of an implant, so going under the muscle can kind of help counteract that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely. So, um, also we think it, you know, it gives you more of a natural look um, instead of a round, um, uh, look from the implant if you get over the muscle. So yeah, yeah, just like this does. So this this uh, textured shaped implant helps minimize that at the top, but the mm -hmm. muscle as well kind of helps blunt that. So if we use the rounder implants, I mean, some people want a fake look. They want it to kind of jump out off the top of their right. chest. So in that case, the saline above the muscle might be the best option, but the silicone can still give you a very natural feel and also give you that fullness at the top as well. But in general, underneath the muscle is the best. And like I said, it makes most people want to maintain some naturality. Anyway, that's kind of the basics of breast implants. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more to that than what we've, we mentioned today, but you know, we can delve into a future episode, kind of how we put it in, like what techniques we use. I mean, there's some things that, that we do where we can really enhance kind of the overall look to the breast yeah. and shape and um, you know, try to hide that incision and make things um, you know, look the best they can. So uh, we'll, we'll go into that next time. So anyway, very good. Another good Thanks. podcast. Sure.